0: It's Saturday the 13th of January. I'm Kira Evans and this was a week that saw Post Office Horizon IT scandal near a resolution, election fever hits government, Trump back in court and Golden Globes take place in Los Angeles.
1: Grab a cup of something hot, put up your feet and get up to speed on the seven biggest stories of the week. This is the Standout 7 from the Small 7. It's news, but not the news.
0: This was the week that saw the pressure on the government to resolve the Horizon IT scandal which saw more than 700 sub-postmasters wrongly convicted of false accounting, theft and fraud due to faulty software between 1999 and 2015. And it was all because of the release of an ITV drama, Mr Bates versus the Post Office, which followed one of the most prominent cases in the scandal and aired last week. To date, less than 100 people have had their convictions quashed and PM Rishi Sunak began the week by saying that those affected deserve justice.
1: Obviously it's something that happened a very long time ago in the 90s, uh, but actually seeing it and hearing about it again, it just shows what an appalling miscarriage of justice it is for everyone affected. And it's important that those people now get the justice that they deserve.
0: And former sub-postmaster Lee Castleton, who was made bankrupt by the post office after a two-year legal battle, says victims of the scandal are traumatised.
1: The victims are traumatised. £135 million has been paid to some of the victims but we've had 150 million pounds plus paid to lawyers. We're just normal people, run-of-the-mill people. We, we, We have legal people with us, but it's so difficult, it's like a war.
0: Monday night saw Trade and Business Minister Kevin Hollenrake announce that the government had now devised options to deal with outstanding cases, but that before they could announce the plan, they would need to consult with the senior judiciary. The spotlight also fell on Lib Dem leader Sir Ed Davey, who served as Postal Affairs Minister between 2010 and 2012. Davey says that he did ask questions, but that post office managers didn't tell him the truth.
1: I wish I'd known then what we all know now. The post office was lying on an industrial scale. to me and other ministers. My heart goes out to all those people. We need to make sure their convictions are overturned and we need to make sure they are fairly compensated and quickly.
0: Tory MP David Davis thinks it could be relatively simple to overturn the cases as a central argument that only the postmasters could access the system turned out to be false.
1: All of the cases depend on one single lie. I see no real reason no logical reason why you can't have a mass case, a mass appeal uh, uh, on that single basis. But
0: well, the controversy didn't stop there. And on Tuesday, former minister and MP for Stratford-on-Avon, Nadim Zaoui, wanted to know why the government had been so slow to act on the 800 convictions still outstanding. He proposed that the simple bill would allow the convictions to be overturned all at once, something that Justice Secretary Alex Chalk seemed to be in favour of.
1: I'm very grateful to the Right Honourable Gentleman, who, with his customary precision, puts his finger on this appalling injustice. Uh, the suggestions he made is receiving active consideration. I expect to be able to make further announcements shortly.
0: With public outcry growing, more than a million people signed a petition calling on Paula Vennels, the post office boss between 2012 and 2019, to hand back her CBE, which she did during the week. The government finally moved to clear those wrongly convicted in the post office IT scandal on Wednesday, where Rishi announcing the breakthrough in the Commons on Wednesday.
1: Today I can announce that we will introduce new primary legislation yeah. to make sure that those convicted as a result of the Horizon scandal, are swiftly exonerated and compensated.
0: The new law will see additional compensation paid along with the overturning of the cases and the Scottish Government announced a similar initiative. With an impeccable sense of timing, the official inquiry into the post office IT scandal resumed hearings on Thursday. The Horizon inquiry has been running since 2021 and is chaired by Sir Wayne Williams with hearings due to continue until at least summer 2024. In the spotlight for the first of the new hearings was Stephen Bradshaw, a post office investigator who denied accusations that he and colleagues behaved like mafia gangsters while interviewing wrongly accused sub-postmasters. He also said he had no information from his superiors that there were any issues with the Horizon system.
1: I'm not technically minded with that. I would expect that to come from the people above. If it was an issue I would expect Fujitsu to inform the post office and the full post office to let us know what, what the issues are.
0: Professor Chris Hodge, chair of the Horizon Compensation Advisory Board, said he's glad to see the government acting but that the process still needs to move faster.
1: I had written to the Lord Chancellor in December to say this is a real problem The system is not working, and it may never work for these people. It will certainly take years. So I'm delighted, as are my colleagues on the uh, advisory board, to see decisive action.
0: It was another week of strikes and devastation in the ongoing Israel-Hamas war with an escalation of attacks in the region. The week started with US Secretary of State Anthony Blinken back in the Middle East for the fourth time in three months. He met Turkish President Erdogan in Istanbul last weekend to talk about the situation in Gaza after attacks on Lebanon, Iraq and numerous Red Sea vessels by Houthi rebels. On Tuesday, Israel demonstrated its long range as they claimed a strike in southern Lebanon had killed a senior Hezbollah commander, Ali Hussein Barji, who they say had been responsible for drone attacks on Israeli forces. Meanwhile, back in the UK, Foreign Secretary Lord David Cameron made his first appearance in front of the Foreign Affairs Committee, confirming there were still two British hostages being held by Hamas. He also urged Israel to act carefully to avoid breaching international law and called for a longer-term view if peace is to be a realistic possibility.
1: We believe that there won't be true security either for Israel or for the Palestinians without moving towards a two-state solution. So we have a sort of short-term horizon of wanting to get to a sustainable ceasefire, which we can talk about, and then a longer-term horizon of recognizing that no ceasefire is really fully sustainable forever unless you actually have a political horizon.
0: Being to Radio 4's Today programme during the week, Prince Khalid al-Binder al-Saud, Saudi Arabia's ambassador to the UK, says that it's time the world called Israel to account over the level of casualties in Gaza.
1: Over 20,000 people killed, almost 10,000 children killed, maimed, injured. I mean, the numbers are, they're deplorable, absolutely deplorable. I don't think we've seen this in a conflict,
0: in certainly not in recent memory. What I would like to see is not just from Britain, but from the world, is to treat Israel the same way it treats everyone else. The World Health Organization warned on Wednesday that it was facing insurmountable obstacles when it comes to delivering humanitarian aid to those in Gaza. Meanwhile, in the Red Sea, US and UK warships repelled a barrage of up to 20 rocket drones and cruise missiles fired at shipping by Yemeni-based Houthi forces. UK Defence Secretary Grant Shapps warned that there will be retaliation, even as the UN Security Council passed a resolution to demand an end to the attacks. And And Secretary Blinken said the U.S. is taking the matter very seriously.
1: We put together Operation Prosperity Guardian with um, more than 20 countries, including uh, Bahrain, to do everything we can to preserve freedom of navigation, freedom of shipping in the Red Sea. And in fact, uh, the United States and the United Kingdom, two participants in Operation Prosperity Guardian responded effectively to the attacks
0: yesterday. Thursday saw the International Court of Justice at The Hague hear arguments from South Africa as they presented what they described as chilling evidence of genocide on the first day of the two-day hearing. The South Africans asked the court to impose a ceasefire. A lawyer, Tambika Nkoki ITOB, delivered a stirring testimony as he described what he called genocidal utterances and grave violence.
1: Uh, we felt that all the elements for genocide were there. We saw it as a textbook case of genocide and once we saw it as that we were duty bound in terms of being a signatory to, to the Genocide Convention and Article 1 to bring it to the International Court to adjudicate.
0: On Friday morning, we learned that Britain and the US had launched air and missile strikes in Houthi-controlled areas of Yemen overnight, aimed at halting attacks on ships in the Red Sea. American and British forces, with support from Australia, Bahrain, Canada and the Netherlands, were involved in carrying out the strikes, which targeted different sites, including the capital of the country. PM Rishi Sunak said that he hoped that the strikes would help to de-escalate tensions in the region.
1: Our aim is very clear, it's to de-escalate tensions and to restore stability to the region. and uh, That's why allies over the past few weeks have issued several statements of condemnation of what's happening, calling on the Houthis to desist.
0: And on Friday afternoon we heard from lawyers representing the State of Israel as they took to the stand in the International Court of Justice in The Hague to answer the action brought by South Africa on Thursday. Their legal team asked the ICJ to reject South Africa's request for emergency measures and deny the accusations of genocide in Gaza.
1: But they do justify, mandate even, the exercise of the legitimate and inherent right of a state to defend itself as enshrined in the UN Charter and under customary international law.
0: The general election is just months away and both Rishi Sunak and Sir Keir Starmer spent the week out and about making their pitches to the nation. PM Rishi Sunak kicked off the New Year with an appearance on Laura Kay's show last Sunday where he pledged to cut public spending to lower taxes, blamed striking junior doctors for NHS waiting times and defended the government's controversial Rwanda scheme. He was also grilled on his party's poor polling and mass exodus of MPs, but Rishi says things are only looking up for the Tories.
1: I genuinely believe that we've turned a corner. I think the country is now pointing in the right direction. The plans that we've put in place are starting to deliver. My my job is to talk to everybody and show that we've got to stick
0: with the plan. Meanwhile, Labour leader Sir Keir Starmer has been criticising Rishi's refusal to set a date for the next election, with rumours that it probably won't happen until the second half of the year. Sir Keir says Rishi needs to put the country first.
1: If he had a plan... He would set the date and he should set the date because at the moment I can't help feeling that all he really wants to do is to get Two years clocked up, and that means he's putting vanity before country.
0: Prime Minister Rishi Sunak spent most of 2023 talking about his five pledges and asked to be judged on the success or otherwise of his attempts to deliver them. And not surprisingly, based on his own assessment, he's doing great and so wants to continue working away.
1: I set out a year ago five priorities. So, in a nutshell, on all five priorities, we have made progress. But I know. There is more to do in the years ahead.
0: With a general election looming, it sounds like Rishi has switched strategy from being the change candidate to the consistency candidate. But one way or another, Labour leader Sir Keir Starmer didn't seem too impressed. He's also been taking a look at the things on Rishi's to-do list for 2024 and he's giving poor marks to the planned new offshore petroleum licensing bill.
1: This bill that the government is passing or trying to pass is a waste of time. It isn't going to make any difference, zero impact on energy bills. What you've got is a government that's wasting its time trying to pass legislation to create a dividing line with the Labour Party rather than to solve the problem.
0: By Thursday, Rishi Sunak had formally approved what are known as access talks for the Labour Party. That's part of the traditional pre-planning for a general election, although former Chancellor George Osborne was suggesting the election day could be as far away as November 14th on his political currency podcast. Regardless, Labour have continued their policy rollout as part of their election campaign, with Shadow Health Secretary Wes Streeting focusing on dentistry on Thursday. He was defending proposals that as part of Labour's school breakfast club initiative, children aged between three and five would be given two brushing classes. It led to calls of nanny state behaviour, but Wes says it's time to call in the cavity cops.
1: I think we face a choice as a country we can either sit back and say, well, it's parents' job, or for actually a relatively small amount of money, Uh, we can put supervised toothbrushing in for kids aged between three and five to help keep their teeth clean and out of hospital.
0: Last Saturday was the third anniversary of the January 6th attack on the US Capitol and President Biden marked the occasion with a scathing review of his predecessor Donald Trump, labelling him a threat to democracy. It comes after the Supreme Court agreed on Friday to rule on whether the former president was eligible for Colorado's primary ballot ahead of this year's presidential election. But with Trump launching an appeal with the Supreme Court, former Vice President Mike Pence says his old boss should remain on the ballot.
1: I think the question of who's on
0: the ballot in every state Uh, should be left to the people uh, of the United States of America. I, I, I have every confidence that the Supreme Court of the United States will resolve those questions. Tuesday saw a case heard in Washington DC in front of a three-judge appeal court panel to review Trump's claim for presidential immunity in the January 6th case. The hearing didn't go all that well with one judge asking if Trump's claims meant he could have an opponent assassinated by SEAL Team 6 with no consequences, a question his lawyer struggled to answer. Trump himself was busy pointing fingers after the the hearing.
1: Well, I think it's very unfair when a political opponent is prosecuted by the Biden's DOJ. They're losing in almost every demographic, and I think they feel this is the way they're going to try and win. It'll be bedlam in the country. It's a very bad thing. It's a very bad President, as we said, it's the opening of a Pandora's box.
0: By Thursday, Trump's New York civil trial was wrapped up with closing arguments from both sides. Speaking afterwards, he, announced he wanted to attend all of his trials as a protest against Biden and the Democrats and what he called their new form of cheating. Speaking of Biden, Jill Biden was on MSNBC on Thursday, defending her son Hunter and supporting her husband and brushing away concerns about his age.
1: I say his age is an asset he's wise he has wisdom he has experience he knows every leader on the world stage he's lived history he knows history Mm -hmm. he's thoughtful in his decisions he is the right man or the right person for the job at this moment in history
0: so to come on the Dead seven idris alba fights knife crime and killian wins big at the golden globes right after this
1: Welcome back.
0: With no sign of any breakthrough in the US Congress, the prospect of more American military aid for Ukraine anytime soon seems unlikely. But with Russia continuing to launch attacks by air and on the ground, there's a growing sense of urgency from Ukrainian President Zelensky as he looks for further military assistance. He hit the road on Wednesday with a surprise visit to Lithuania before he heads to Estonia and Latvia. His visit generated almost £200 million worth of military aid and Zelensky was keen to emphasise that Putin has to be stopped.
1: Lithuania, Latvia, Estonia, Moldova may be next, and it is certain if we do not withstand. We have heard recently that they have started talking about Finland, they have started talking about the independence of Uzbekistan, and so on. He will not finish this, until we collectively finish him.
0: Idris Elba was in Parliament Square on Monday standing amidst piles of neatly folded clothes. They belonged to victims of knife crime and the actor-musician was calling for a new campaign to tackle youth violence and knife crime. The campaign is called Don't Stop Your Future and he's written to the Prime Minister and the Home Secretary asking for urgent action including to close a loophole which has delayed the banning of the sale of machetes and so-called zombie knives which are modelled on those found in video games.
1: The legislation has been announced but it's been taking five months to actually get through and that's a problem because you know the supply chain of it's still putting them in someone's still making the money there's a van somewhere about to deliver it to someone and we have to tack it like it's an emergency because it really
0: is Sunday saw some of Hollywood's biggest celebs flock to Beverly Hills for the 81st Golden Globes Awards. Joe Coy was hosting for the first time and the night was a return to form for the ceremony which had faced accusations in 2021 of corruption and having no black members on the judging panel of Hollywood foreign reporters. There were wins for the Bear, Succession and Beef in the TV Awards and the Holdover Poor Things and Killers of the Flower Moon also took home some gongs. With Barbie and Oppenheimer dominating nominations Christopher Nolan's movie collected the most awards of the night, including Best Drama, Best Score for Ludwig Göransson, Best Supporting Actor for Robert Downey Jr. and Best Director for Nolan. Here's Killian Murphy accepting his award for Best Actor.
1: I knew the first time that I walked on uh, a Chris Nolan set that it was different. I could tell by the level of uh, rigour, the level of focus, the level of dedication, the complete lack of any seating options for actors, <laughs> <laughs> that it was... I was in the hands of a visionary director a master. I want to thank Chris and Emma for having the faith in me for, for 20 years and six feckin' pictures. <laughs> so, thanks so much. Um, to, all my, to all my reps, all my team, uh, thank you so much. You're the best. Uh, to my family, I'm the luckiest man. Uh, love you. Thanks so much, guys. You've been listening to The Smart 7. We'll be back tomorrow at 7 a.m. Hit that follow button and have a great day. Give us seven minutes we'll give you the world.